This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. This is the Coast and Country podcast from the BBC. You can find the terms and conditions on our website at bbc.co.uk forward slash radio 4. Today you can hear Open Country with Helen Mark. I was expecting um, neat and tidy rows of trees. I don't like neat and tidy. I think a lot of Christmas trees nowadays are grown... Watch the stumps as we go through. They're grown um, like cabbages or something. But I like them grown with a mass of wild flowers. It looks like weeds, but we've got teasel and soapwort and wild carrot and everything in here. And I think that helps a lot because it makes the whole thing... I mean, you'll see as we get in it, it almost looks like natural woodland. Right, we're coming up to meet Jim and Scott now. They're working with us. They'll help get the tree down to the school. Well, for this week's open country, with Christmas almost upon us, everybody's busy you know, getting preparations uh, done for the festive season, and an important part of that is getting the tree sorted. So for this week's programme, I've come to uh, just outside the small village of Great Hockham in Norfolk. We're just... Um, south of Norwich, a few miles south of Norwich and beyond us would be Thetford Forest. And Vince Thurkettle is a man whose life is about trees and wood. So I think I'm in very good hands. And this is his uh, Christmas tree growing enterprise on the edge of the village and we're surrounded by a range of trees. And you've got... um, well, obviously, I've hit you at quite a busy time, Vince. <laughs> but look at them, they're great. We've got blue spruce just to one side of us. They all look frosted. Then we've got a block of the little Nordman, which everybody likes. But it's interesting, because a huge amount of Christmas trees are imported, everybody's sort of learned that, oh, we want one of those non-needle drop. But you don't have to. I think the two secrets to Christmas trees are buy a fresh one and give it water. Then you can have any tree you like. And we've got a filthy day to be out in the open, (laughs) I have to say. And the thing about being in a Christmas tree plantation, as it were, there's very little shelter because none of the trees are terribly tall. I can see over the top of most of them. We've got three trees to go to the school and we've got to get on a bit because they're due at 11. So if we go and choose them and cut them and then Jim and Scott will get them on down. All right, Okay. All right. We've got a chainsaw with us Um, and we're just walking now into the plantation and the trees are all about higgledy-piggledy. And as you say, you do have to be careful when you walk because there are short stumps here. That's an old stump because it's browned, but there's a new stump, good and freshly cut. When I'm cutting a Christmas tree down, I can't see what's down there. And this is sand and flint, this ground. And if I touch a flint, apart from it showering flint everywhere, I'll wreck the saw. So I'm tending to cut them a little bit high. And I always intend to come back later and cut them low, but you don't get round to it. These are Norway spruce. These are the traditional one. I think anyone over about 40 years old, this is the tree of your childhood. This is the original Christmas tree, and I like these. They're easy to grow. What makes good growing ground then for Christmas trees, Vince? I think the Norway spruce is very tolerant, and I was surprised how well they've grown on this land. It was a bit of an experiment. I like that one. It was a bit of an experiment to start with. Um, because of this land being sandy and flinty and these trees liking quite a lot of wet, I was worried. But in truth, at the end, they've grown really well. So, yeah, I like that one. You like that one. It's I got do. a lovely um, symmetry to it. Yep. Extending arms of the tree at the bottom and then narrows as we get to the top and perfect for the 
fairy or the star. Symmetry, you use the word symmetry, and that's the critical thing. Whether people want like a cathedral spire, a tall narrow tree or a big bushy tree, what they want is symmetry. But we grew up with a picture of our Christmas tree, you know, that perfect tree in our storybooks. And that's what I'm trying to grow. Mm. In all honesty, I'm trying to grow little triangles. You were a tree man, though, maybe more behind the desk because you were with the Forestry Commission. I did really badly at school. I went to an agricultural boarding school and there I learned I didn't want to do agriculture. So I left at 16 to go and work in the woods and I worked as a horseman's boy and I was the boy who lit the workers' fires every lunchtime, 12 months of the year. And after three years of that, I went to college. I did very badly at college and just scraped into the Forestry Commission. And then I sort of worked and worked until I ended up Deputy Director for the East of England, commuting to London a lot, and that's not what I signed up for. So about seven years ago, I decided that I'd try and live on my wits, basically. And you came back out into the wood? Yeah, 16, 17, I started growing Christmas trees. So I've done them all my life. Right, we better get this yeah, cut. Yeah, better get this cut. <laughs> melts through that needle-covered trunk of the tree and down it falls in a matter of seconds. And then Vince is just trimming the bottom. There's a few brown uh, branches just underneath the greener foliage. He's just trimming those off, make it look better. And then they're going to take them off to the edge of the track. So that's the first one down. In the springtime, there is just so much birdsong in here. Watch the little trees. Yes, these are very young little saplings. They're barely a foot tall. Yep. Oh, such soft, soft needles they have on them. <laughs> it's like a little bottle brush. What I'm trying to do is, as soon as we felled them in January, we'll replant them. You can see there's a line here, and then there's the felled stumps of the ones we've just cut. And in some ways, in the rain, they're almost decorated. Look at the heavy drops of rain which just hang from the needles, and they just catch the light. If the sun came out, which it isn't going to, <laughs> but if the sun came out, they all catch, and they're like little prisons. And as you look through the plantation, it's gorgeous, all these little sparkling colours. So right, one, one more. more. Oh, I like this one. That is beautiful. Okay. Three trees well, got... Loaded yep, onto the trailer behind the tractor. We need to tie them down and then they'll yep. be on their way. I've been taking the children with some of the teachers down into the forest and all the sort of forest school stuff, making dens and making fires, and they love it. They call me Mr Kettle. <laughs> they skip the third bit. <laughs> but it's really sweet. You all good? All right, we'll, we'll follow you down then. Vincent and I have managed to get to Great Hockham Primary School before the tractor because we cut across the field. It's had to go around the, the roadway. And I could just see the, the, the faces of the, the children from the school at the door, but now they've come outside to watch the arrival of the trees. They're all wrapped up against the cold and they've got their teacher with them, Mrs Wheeler. <laughs> it is an exciting moment, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Right, children, are we going to help unload these trees? Yes. Yep. Great. Okay. And you know Vincent, yep. don't you, yep. Mr... Yeah. Mr Kettle. Mr Kettle. Yeah. I hear you call him Mr yeah. Kettle. Yeah. <laughs> it's easier. Yeah. And are you, the trees have we got coming um, off? Three. Three. They are freshly cut. Straight from yeah. the field. 
Do you know what species they are? Do you? Um, are they pine trees? Pine trees, a special kind of pine tree. They're called Norway spruce. Ah. There you go. So you want to step forward and give yeah, them a okay. hand with right, the big one? On, All these little oh, hands reach forward for the trunk of the tree. Can I help us get the tree, Poppy? All crowded round the bottom, and Vince has got the top end. Let's get the top. Off the tree. Come on, let's help move the tree. Don't squash Linus. <laughs> Excellent. Do you know what you're going to put on the tree? Have you got any decorations sorted? Um, we've what made some paper ones we've gone in club already. So um, they'll go on maybe the inside tree? Yeah. It'll be different for the outside one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's good. It's going to look yeah. lovely, isn't it? Yeah. And you get a great smell as well. Yeah. Smell of fresh pine. Yeah. It's lovely. Right. Enough for the inside. Right, let's get the one. This is the one for right. inside. Now, this is more tricky. Is this one's got to go indoors, hasn't it? Yeah. Why do you want to have fresh trees, Mrs Wheeler? Well, we like to support our local community, and obviously having Vince and having the trees in the field next door to where the school is, it is brilliant for the children to be able to go, see it from planting right from the beginning right through to cutting and coming into the school. Yeah. And what's your name? What would you like to put on the Christmas tree as decorations? What should we put on the top? A fairy on the top. Absolutely. We cannot have a tree without a fairy. She'll go on the top. You know, in the old days, they used to put fruit uh, on the tree, didn't Mm, they? They used to thread dates and hang them on the tree. We occasionally hang apples and pineapples on the tree. Wow. It's part of an old tradition. Well, I don't know about the pineapple, but it's part of an old (laughs) tradition, that. Yeah. And then also they used to put lighted candles on the tree. What do you think about that idea? Dangerous. Yeah. It is. Yeah. <laughs> we wouldn't want to set our tree on fire, would we? No. no. <laughs> last right, tree. Let's take the last one off and get, get everyone inside out of the Hands cold. on the tree. Come on, young lady. Jacob, are you ready? Oh, my God. <laughs> I love this tiniest one in the group is at the top end of the tree is just holding the very tip where the fairy will go and running behind them as they race into the school with the tree. I'll hold that open for you. Mrs Wheeler is just holding the tree while we get it balanced in the stand but I hear that you go out into the woodland yeah. With, yeah. with Mr. Thurkettle. Yeah, um, it, on Wednesdays after school yeah. um, with Gardening Club. But how wonderful to be able to go out into the woods and learn about trees rather than just pass them by in the car when you're yeah. out with your mum and dad or something. You're in there and learning about woodlands and, yeah. and, and wildlife. Yeah. Isn't yeah, it? And lots yeah. of fun. Lots of fun, yes. Yeah. So, very Merry Christmas to you all. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Lots of happy faces there, which is absolutely brilliant. But I know, Vincent, you've other deliveries to make. Yeah. So I'll catch up with you later right. back at your Lovely. home. I've left the children to decorate their Christmas tree. And I've come to, to put some decorations on the tree in a slightly different way. Oh, we found ourselves in the most horrendous shower of rain. Freezing cold droplets of rain upon us, Peter Walton and I are in Ashwellthorpe. It's a small village and then the woodland on the outskirts of the village. And Peter, you, you regularly take people for trips through the woods to go bird spotting. 
I do. Yes. All, all seasons of the year. Uh, I run wildlife courses throughout the year. Birds flock in the winter, which is particularly uh, an exciting aspect of it. Uh, we get huge flocks of geese here in Norfolk, for example. But here in the woodlands, we also get roving flocks of tits and birds that like to stick together. Safety in numbers. Safety in numbers, but obviously foraging for food. And because of the weather we've had through the year, there's not a lot going for them at the minute is there that is where uh, we can come in handy for them because um, we can use our gardens to provide bird food and supplement the natural food that they will find by themselves we're just standing beside we've got a lime tree here there's a few leaves just managing to cling to it and it's a lovely sort of splayed effect so what we're going to do peter is we're going to decorate it with some goodies for the birds. And anybody could do this at home, can't they? Yes. Great Um, thing to do for Christmas. What you have to remember is that birds need to replenish uh, as much as 30% of their body weight every day just in order to be able to survive. Let me give you an example. A great tit, which is quite a a large garden bird feeder, would need to feed 75% of the the daylight hours. A blue tit, which is a bit smaller, 80%. A coal tit... 85%, but a goldcrest, 100%, and that's just to get through the long night under the cold conditions. Well, if we have a bad winter after a not very fruitful autumn, as it were, the birds are in for a bit of a hard time. Absolutely, yes. Right, well, it's just as well. I have this wonderful bag of goodies. Oh, look. I've got um, in here things that I might have put out normally, like apples. I've got some funky nuts. I had this idea. I brought some pine cones. Yes. Now, is this mad? Because I know they like quite high protein, don't they? They need high protein yes, that they would get yes. from insects. Would it be all right if we maybe dipped it in something like peanut butter? I think that might do the trick, yes. Right, and you do that. And I made a point of getting unsalted. That's yes. important. Good, right. yes. And if you dip that cone in. Ooh, the peanut butter sticking on that pine cone yes. well, isn't it? And we can... There we go. There's a bit on there, yes. Oh, love. Yeah. <laughs> quite tempted myself. Um... Do we hang that up maybe with we can, string? We can do that, yes. That, that would tie that, on easily yes, to the yes. open pine. So that's good. That's one thing. Now, I remembered that, obviously, about fruit and nuts. Yes. I read about cheese, grated cheese. Yes, right. protein. That and yeah. then I mixed it in with some softened lard. Yes. And then I squidged it into my little yes. yoghurt pot, which has the string. It has set, because it's been so cold. I think you can probably hang the pot on as it is, and, and the birds will... Um, Tuck into that. Yeah, that's the general idea. It does seem like a bit of a mad recipe, doesn't it? Cheese and nuts and fruit. But it's, it, is, it, it is all the right things. That's precisely what birds need at this time of year. Seeds, cheese, lard, suet, but definitely not cooking oil. It's the sort of fats that we're not supposed to have. The trans the, fats. The saturated fats. Saturated fats. That's right. Good. They're good for the birds. Right. Fruit cake, mince pies. Oh, really? <laughs> Christmas cake, all good. Now, it's funny you should mention fruit cake because I have here... There we go. And some cheese. Let's take a hunk of fruit cake. A few bits of cheese. All right. And I've got string in my bag as well. And if we just keep threading them on along the string, we have our edible tinsel here. And we'll just wrap it around this branch that sort of lies off to the side. So we've got our pine cones with peanut butter and some good food tinsel there. We've got our plastic cup hanging up. 
it's good to have a variety of different sorts of food because then that services a wider range of species. Having a few, you know, peanuts, broken up peanuts, ideally. You know, only the bigger birds will be able to take the full peanuts. And so, if they're again, if they're broken up, that'll make make life easier for the smaller birds. We just never know how, what the winter's going to be like. So the sooner you start, the better? The, the, the sooner the better. It's, it's less important to be feeding birds through the early part of the autumn because there's lots of natural food available for them. There's berries, there's insects. But as the autumn progresses, those food supplies dry up. And so what we can actually do is provide the uh, important supplements that will see them through the winter. There. I think we've done all right, Peter, don't you? Our tasty morsels threaded and dangling from our lime tree ready for our visitors we'll have to leave obviously to let them come in but i wonder how long it will take before they find it <laughs> Ho- hopefully soon because i think we've got, we're going to be having some snow later tonight <laughs> there is a bitter chill in the air clear skies and i've come right across onto the east coast to the fishing town of cromer and I'm, I'm actually just in the town centre, I'm with John Davies, because I've come here to see something special, which sits alongside what I think is actually a Norman church. This vast square tower is way, way above our heads, John. Cromer Parish Church. Yes, quite a big local church and a big local landmark. But nestled beside it, we have rather a nice Christmas tree. Well, <laughs> a, a very unusual Christmas tree, yes. It's uh, something that came from uh, one of our committee members from the Crab and Lobster Festival, which we hold here in May every year, and it was uh, brought in by Hilary Thompson's idea from the Eastern Sea Fisheries Committee, and uh, she'd seen something like this done before in Canada and thought that would be a, a novel and a great idea for us to do in Cromer. And this is the fishing community of which you were part, John. Yeah, yeah, I'm a crab fisherman of, well, no, eight generations, I think. I must admit my first thoughts filled me with horror. <laughs> because what we're looking at for your Christmas tree is a collection of lobster pots and lobster pots and more lobster pots <laughs> set in, you know, the distinctive pyramid, you know, triangular shape of a Christmas tree. And there's... Um, are those, those are sea boys, aren't they? Yeah, they're they? boys or buffs, we call them. And there's, there's roughly about 150 pots there at the moment, yeah. <laughs> and these are local fishermen's pots? Yeah, they're all, they're all my pots, actually. <laughs> You're not doing any fishing, though? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've, I have quite a few, and I've still several in the, in the sea. But these are, you know, I had to make sure we had enough to do it. And, so uh, quite a strange idea for a Christmas tree, although very fitting now you see it in place. Yeah, it's quite novel. I think, uh, I think it's gone down reasonably well. It's been quite cro- controversial. You know, some of the traditionalists didn't think that was the best idea. But once they've been and seen it, I think we've won quite a few of them around and... Uh, I like to think it's you know it's quite unique to Chroma and hopefully a one-off. <laughs> it's strung with lights, so we can see by that light and also the light of you know the Christmas lights around the the, the town centre here. You can see the thread of ropes and string that make up that very basic fisherman's tool, the lobster or the crab pot. But they take on a different feel here, don't they? They're like a sort of um, a lace feel about them. Yeah, I think you're right, especially with the lights and, and everything. And, and in the dark, I think it looks as well in the dark as it does in the daylight. majority of the people I know, uh, the congregation here, I thought it was a great idea. We built it all one Sunday, and when they came out from morning worship, you know, they were all very, very supportive. So that gave us you know, quite a bit of confidence with it. Because what is a Christmas tree all about? It's for people to gather round. 
Yes. And, a symbol. Yeah, and a lot of people have gathered around and have a look, and a, and a good model, as they would say in Norfolk <laughs> about it. And it's a symbol of a fishing community. Yeah, very much so, and Cromer is very much a, a fishing town with a big heritage in, in crab fishing, and, uh, yeah, it was just something novel and something new. and Built you know, in a day. Built in a day, yeah. Was it designed? Yes, one of our friends, town friends, Jim Bond, who does a lot with the council and, and different organisations, he actually sat down with his computer and actually designed how they would all go together. We gave him the measurements and he worked on it and that was the design he came up with. And as you can see, it's gone together quite well. It has. And the boys, the red, yellow, orange, are almost like Christmas baubles. Well, yeah, that's what I thought. And I must admit that was one of my ideas to put those on, on board just to, to make light of the situation. And, and yes, look like baubles. You could have set something quite special off for the town of Cromer. Well, yeah, possibly, but like I say, I think that'll be a one-off. I don't think we'll be repeating it every year, but uh, <laughs> well, it's I... certainly caused to stir and, and a lot of interest and I hope a lot of publicity for the town. Mm, I'm glad to see it. Just making some kindling. After all my travels, I've returned back to Great Hockham, to the home of Vincent Thurkettle, who is very kindly, after me being out in the cold, he's going to set a fire for us. You're doing it from scratch, you're cutting kindling, Vincent, and you're a man who so understands wood and fire. We have an open hearth. So you put the kindling on and you've got some bark, strips of bark you've ripped. This is birch bark. I was trying to make sure I've got plenty of birch bark because it is nature's firelighter, it's superb. You see it on survival programmes and that, they use it, but it doesn't have to be, and it's, you know, you can use it indoors. You're lighting a little bit, just holding it. Yep. It flares up. You smell that. It's gorgeous, isn't it? Mm. I think birch is... um, Aromatic. It is very aromatic. When I met you earlier, we were in the the depth of the Christmas tree plantation, and here we are sort of building a fire. But wood is many things in your life. It has a place in your heart. Your life is wood. I think I love everything to do with trees, but I do love fire. Again, as as a boy, I think my parents gave me the freedom to play with matches, and I enjoyed it. You know, every little den we had in the woods had a fire. And we have the open hearth and this young fire growing on the bed of ashes that you have, and you're gently putting gradually larger pieces of kindling on, and now you've just tossed on a couple of, well, those are little baby oranges, yes, the dried peel. I mean, so many years of working with wood, you've drawn all your knowledge together and you've put it down in a book. And you're encouraging people to think about wood and trees and using wood as fuel. And I'm just thinking of all those boyhood times you had building fires. You have learnt how to build the perfect fire. It it is an art. Anyone can do it. Anyone can set fire to a pile of wood, but that's not firecraft. I think... There are three secrets to a good fire. The first one is your wood wants to be dry. It really does. Not more than 20% moisture content. Um, Lots of wood ash. Do not clean your fire out. Have as much wood ash as you can possibly bear. Wood fires, those little embers sat glowing now, they're nestled in the white ash and they'll glow for ages. And the third thing, and it's an old Sussex thing, they would say, you've got to have the logs close enough together to warm each other and far enough apart to breathe. And they would say the logs are kissing. Glowing fire. And you're even roasting chestnuts, Vincent. How thoughtful. 
They could be a little more done, but that one's... Do you want to do your own, or shall I pass you one? No, you oh, pass actually, that one. is cooked. Oh. That is, because a bit fell off. Oh, yes. And just oh, oh, my goodness, that is hot. <laughs> you have to juggle it from hand to hand like that while it cools down. That's lovely. Oh, roasted chestnuts, what a wonderful sweet scent. The fire becomes the heart of the home, mm. doesn't it? It's where people gather. But the thing is, I have to ask where you're going to put your Christmas tree then. <laughs> well... I'll definitely have one just behind the sofa when I've got rid of that pile of books. That's where my tree will go. And it will be a traditional Norway spruce. Mmm. Mm, they're soft They're nice, the aren't they? I wasn't expecting that. Mmm. That's mm. how they should be. Wonderful. This whole idea, wood is, it's not just about you growing Christmas trees, is it? You understand wood so well. I think for me, it's the difference between visiting a woodland and belonging in the woodland. I think if you really work with woodlands and you learn how they work holistically, everything from the newts and the bats to the fruit, the seasons, I feel that by growing trees and relying on my wood fires that I really belong in the woods, and that's a great comfort. Mm. 